morning again, and it's such an honor to be with you today. Man, what a great time of worship uh, in the Lord's presence. Uh, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, would you uh, open them up or turn maybe on your phone to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, uh, we're going to be here for just a few moments today. Uh, I want to talk to us today for just a few moments on knowing God more. Knowing God more. You got to see our passion recap video there from a couple weeks back. Such a great time. Uh, being in worship together with our student ministry and many of our adult leaders. And every night we would have kind of a little small group gathering. We would kind of decompress from the day and just talk about what the Lord was doing and how he was working and everyone. And the last night, one of the videos you saw there was us kind of gathered together there out on the patio of our hotel. And the last night we're just sharing and we're talking and the Lord's moving, just a sweet, sweet time. And there's something that really stuck out to me that I think can be very helpful to us today. And one of our students shared this. He said, you know, I've believed in God my whole life. You know, I've, I've believed in God as long as I can remember, but I've never really felt him like that. I've never really experienced him like that. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but I know most certainly for me, there are times and seasons in my life where I feel like, man, God is very close. He's very near. And then there are times where I feel like maybe he's very distant and I don't even know where he is. And so this morning, I want us to walk through this passage, and I have just three things that I want us to take away with that I believe can help us to know God more, to focus our lives on him and experience his presence in a very real way more consistently throughout our life. So if you're there, Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to ask everyone, if you will, to stand. Uh, we're going to honor the reading of God's word, uh, a little bit of a uh, Baptist exercise here. So, we'll so we'll, if you'll follow along with me there, Colossians chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator." Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let us pray. Oh God, we stand in your presence. God, we are thankful. God, we're thankful that you sent your son to live a perfect life, to die a horrendous death on the cross, to be the sacrifice for our sin, that we may have our sins forgiven. God, that we may walk and live in freedom because of who you are. God, that we have grace and mercy every single day. Lord, your mercies are new this morning. Lord, we, our confidence is in that. Our hope is in you. I pray you would speak to us now through the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. We give you honor and praise, O oh God, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated. So there are three things that I want us to kind of focus on, or three takeaways, or three applications, if you will, on how it is that we as believers, as Christians, can help experience God more, to walk more intimately with him, to experience the closeness, the power of his Holy Spirit within us. And I want to acknowledge here in chapter 3 as it begins, Paul here writing to the church at Colossae, he's writing to believers, to Christians. He's writing in his first imprisonment while he's in Rome. He's writing to a city that he had never been to before. He's trying to help offset some lies that had been counteracting uh, around uh, the city that were counteracted to the gospel, proclaiming that Christ wasn't actually God, that he wasn't an actual deity equal to God, but he was kind of lower like one of the angels, something called Gnosticism that still exists in our times today. And so Paul is writing here to offset that, and he says, well, since then, you have been raised with Christ. In other words, since us as believers, we have been raised in newness of life. We have received this resurrection to new life. We have been brought back from the dead to life. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The first thing that I want us to take away with today, the first thing that I want you to see today is that in order for us to know God more, to be more closely to him, to have that more intimate walk with him, we have to be able to, number one, focus your attention. You have to be able to focus your attention. The reality is that there are so many things in our world today, in our culture, in society, on media, on the news, everything you read, everything you open up on your phone, everywhere you turn to, there is something that's fighting for your attention and for your affection. Uh, Microsoft put out a study uh, just this year that said the average attention span, can anyone guess it? The average attention span for a human being these days is a big whopping eight seconds. Like that's the best bull riders can do. You know what I mean? Eight seconds. Like, and I got to research and like if it's eight seconds, like how does anybody make it? Like what is a good attention span? Like what's considered like the best attention span? And they said the average best attention span is usually around 20 minutes. 20 minutes. And so it's 10.05, 20 minutes from now will be 10.25, and we will be dismissing, and we can gauge ourselves on how well we did, right? Maybe you're like me, maybe, you know, so many times in my life, I remember being a small child and just so full of energy and just crazy and wide open, and it's like, oh, there's a squirrel or there's a rabbit, and, and next thing you know, like, who I'm off here chasing this thing or doing that thing, and the reality is that we don't quite grow out of that. I know like for me, I don't know how it is with you, but for me, it's so often times that I get so busy wrapped up in the everyday responsibilities and, and the, the, the schedule and just what's going on around me or what's going on in my home or my family or at church or in the community or in the neighborhoods, you know, at school, whatever it might be, that I, I so oftentimes focus on the moment or maybe focus on what the next task is and I fail to really focus on the bigger picture of what God's trying to do through the moment or through the task. And so what I believe for you and for me is one of the greatest things that we can learn to do in our spiritual discipline, in our walk with the Lord, is focus our attention. Because the reality is that something is getting your attention. Even in this moment, something has your attention. The very consciousness that you live in, the very person that makes you you, the person that makes BJ BJ is not this flesh and bone, this thing I have to look at in the mirror every day. It's something deep within me that God has given me that's eternal, that when this body passes away, will go on forever to be with him. Focusing the attention of my heart and my mind towards the person of Christ, toward the presence of God, helps me to walk and live a more consistent life and helps those difficulties and challenges and heartaches and pain and all the betrayals of life to just kind of flow and roll right off because my focus is not on my circumstances or my happiness or my own pleasure, but it's on the presence and the person of God. 
And so the number one thing I believe, focus your attention. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The apostle Paul talks so much in Romans 12. He says, you know, we're not to be uh, conformed to the ways of this world, but what? Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and perfect will of God. In Romans 8, 5, it says that those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And so the reality is that for you and for me, our hope, our confidence, our trust is in the fact that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That Jesus has come and he's paid the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice, that his death on the cross was once and for all the penalty, the payment for our sin, that his place for ours, his life for ours, his death instead of ours. And so our trust and our hope is in that finished work. And so we don't have to worry about our salvation. We don't have to wonder if God is mad at us, if God has forgiven us, if we've messed up, if our lives are a wreck or whatever's going on around us. Our hope and our trust is in that. And so we live every single day in light of the reality that we've been set free, we've been forgiven, renewed, restored. We can have confidence to come boldly before the throne of God because we know Jesus Christ has done everything we need for life and godliness here on this earth. Now, that does not mean that we don't still struggle. And that does not mean that our flesh doesn't still rise up. The one thing that God has given every single one of us in this room, a great, beautiful gift that we all have, is something called a will. Free will. Every single one of us have an opportunity to choose, uh, make choices in our lives. You're going to choose where you're going to go to lunch today. You're going to choose, everybody got up and chose what outfit you wore, or every mom got up and chose what outfit everyone would wear this morning. And so we have the ability, the opportunity to make choices for our lives. And so every single day, I have this choice. I'm either A, I'm going to focus my attention and my choice on what makes BJ happy, on what pleasures I can get out of life, on what I can enjoy, on how I can be the most comfortable, the most secure. And I'll be honest, this is kind of how my tendency shifts. Because most likely, I think about me probably more than I think about anybody, naturally. But the other opportunity, the other option is that we set our mind's attention and our heart's affection not on my own self-preservation or on my own self-desires or on fulfilling the lust of my flesh and the pride of life, but I set my mind's attention and my heart's affection on who God is, on the presence and the purpose of a God who not only lives in, we think of this place called heaven that's transcendent and far away, while God is holy and separate and all transcendent and almighty and all powerful, he inhabits every single square inch of the entire universe at one moment, and he also lives within you and I through the Holy Spirit. So it's not that, oh, we, have, we hope we can seek after God in some far distant land, or maybe one day whenever we die, we hope to somehow attain this perfect place called heaven. But I believe that Christ has come and given us his spirit and his power to experience him now, to experience the presence and the power of God every single day in our lives, that the peace which passes all understanding guides our hearts and minds in Christ. And we don't have to be tossed to and fro by the different varying things of the world, the things of our culture, the things of society, the, the, the mass hysteria, even the, the fear and the anxiety that rises over things like COVID-19 and all of the craziness that has been the last year or so of all of our lives, either A, that stuff consumes us and it causes us to live in fear and, and we kind of sink back and we kind of worry and this anxiousness takes over and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or you know what? 
we focus on the Lord. We focus on God's presence. And yes, it hurts. Yes, we fear. Yes, fear is a normal, natural response to difficulty, to pain, to loss. All of us have experienced loss. We all know someone that probably has passed away from this, from this pandemic, and it's very sad. But the reality is that, man, the things of this life, they're either going to paralyze you from being able to fulfill what God has for you, or they're just going to roll right off. And God's going to continue using you. You're going to continue to live in joy and peace. Your fulfillment is not going to be measured by how much money you have, how much security you have, what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, what your everyday life looks like, how happy you might be, how great your family gets along. But what's going to matter is are you living in the presence, in the power of the person of God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Word of God? Is it active in your life? Is it something that makes a difference when you wake up in the morning? Is it something that makes a difference when you your head on your pillow at night or are you just miserable what we set our minds attention to those are the things that we give our hearts desire to whenever we set our minds attention on fulfilling the flesh on fulfilling our sinful nature then death naturally comes from that just not not a physical death and so to speak and, and as believers none of us are we've experienced life in Christ but man if maybe you felt this in your life I know there have been times in my life where I've lived so selfishly where I've lived so looking out for me where I've thought so much about what I want that I get so upset when things don't go my way and all of a sudden before I know it I'm experiencing the death of bitterness I'm experiencing the death of anger of a heartache, maybe of loss or of pride or envy or jealousy. And these things cause us to just rage within and we're miserable. And so what happens for me in my life, I have to have these moments and they have to happen often because eight seconds is about all I get. So they have to happen often where I recenter, where I refocus my mind's attention, where I push out all the competing thoughts, where I push out everything that tells me, hey, BJ, go after what you want. Hey, BJ, why don't you just be happy? Hey, BJ, just make your flesh happy. Hey, BJ, just seek pleasure. Hey, BJ, just seek wealth. Hey, BJ, just see how much you can store up in this life. And whenever I get past that and push all of that out and I say, oh, Lord, I, I want to rest in your presence. Oh, God, you are here. God, you are peace. Jesus, Jesus, your holy name is what I want to be living for. And something happens. The second thing is we focus our attention. The second thing is that causes us to redirect our passions and our desires. Focus on things above. Set your minds on what's above, not on earthly things. For you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ appears, who is your life, then you also appear with him in glory. This is the second coming of Christ. When we will forever be united with him. So we recognize that in this life, while we've been forgiven of our sin, while we've been forgiven of those things that are shameful and those things that separate us from God, we understand and know that we will never reach perfect sanctification until we reach that glorified state. Until Christ returns and we are renewed forever in our eternal body, we're going to always struggle with this thing called sin and the flesh. It's just a reality and acknowledging it is the first step in helping to overcome it. And so we acknowledge the fact that we are weak, but he is strong. We acknowledge the fact that we all struggle with lusts and, and desires of the flesh and the pride of life and, and things that we want, things that we want to achieve, attain, all of those things. And it's not that those things are always all in of themselves bad. There are many great pleasures that God has given us as gifts of his grace. And so what happens is that our lives are either A, we are, we, are, we are led by the desire for passion. We are led by the desire for fulfillment. We are led by the desire uh, to, to complete some great uh, desire within us of our flesh or whatever. And whenever we're led by that, we're constantly, we may, maybe we even get it. Maybe we even experience great pleasure. Maybe we even experience great passion and great fulfillment in this life, but it always runs out. No matter how much fulfillment you get, 
through things of this life, through, na- through, through uh, natural things or through things that are temporary, it's temporary. And so it keeps us longing for more. It keeps us seeking after more. We're constantly trying to fill this hunger that can only be filled with the divine, with the infinite. On the other hand, there's, there's this opportunity to where we, we seek to fill our lives with the divine. We seek to fill our minds and our hearts and our passions to God and with him and in his presence and in his spirit. And what happens is we still have opportunities to enjoy pleasures in this life. We still have opportunities to enjoy things he's given us as a gift from his hand. We've all been given great, great gifts. Many of us in this room, if we were real honest, most of us have are blessed far beyond most people on the planet. I would say that we're rich, we're wealthy. Pastor Tom, if you remember, uh, those of you that were here when he first came, he did a big series on uh, we're rich, we're wealthy. We have way more than we need. And so what happens is that whenever our lives aren't driven by passion, when they're driven by the presence of God, those passions, we're able to enjoy them for what they are. We're able to enjoy the pleasures of this life, realizing that they're temporary and they're really never meant to satisfy. They're really never meant to fulfill us. It's just a temporary joy and experience that God has given us. It says in verse five, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Here's some of those things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, acting out in that anger, malice, wanting to intentionally harm someone physically, emotionally, even spiritually, slander, speaking falsely, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. And so here's the reality is that we have this opportunity that whenever we focus our mind's attention and our heart's affection on God, whenever we we bend in, we lean into his presence, those passions, the things that, that drive our life, that vitality that lives within every one of us, it's still there. We all have this inward thing that, that is pursuing something in our lives. And the reality is whenever our focus is on ourselves, then that vitality and that passion is spent on fulfilling ourselves. But whenever we focus on God, then we're able to redirect those passions and redirect the vitalities of our life to make a better impact, to make an impact for the gospel, for the kingdom, to help build someone up, to help encourage someone, to help minister in our community, to help meet meet the needs of the people around you. This is what it means to know God more, to seek after him, to lean into him. Jesus, even himself, he talks about this in 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 the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. You know, so much was kind of a focus was put on the actual physical acts the, the Pharisees were well known for like making everything look good and like life was all great and being real strict and harsh about the law. But you say, hey, look, like you've heard it was said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in his heart. You've heard it was said, don't, be, don't commit murder. But I tell you, if you have anger towards your brother, you committed murder in your heart. The seed is the same. It's not as much the physical act as it is the, the condition of our heart. Paul even writes about this right before this uh, passage in chapter 3. Look back just a few verses in chapter 2. In verse 20, he says, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, with their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgences. Listen, you and I know, 
the true battle for our lives, the true battle for our joy, for our peace, for our walk with God, it doesn't lie out there. It doesn't lie in the relationships outside of us. It doesn't rely in the circumstances surrounding our lives and our world. The true battle for peace and joy in our lives is within. It's in our heart. It's in our mind. Only you know the condition of your heart. Only you know your true motives for living. Only you know when you look at someone how you think about them. Only you know what you really feel deep within. And if we're not intentionally attacking those dark places in our heart, if we're not intentionally being uh, intentional to, to focus on God's presence and drive out all of those lusts of the flesh and the pride of life and drive out things like anger and bitterness and resentment and envy and jealousy. Listen, if you can, if you can drive out anger and lust from your life, you know how victor, vict- victorious you'll be able to live. Fellas in the room, if you can drive out anger and lust from your life, do you know how much peace and joy you're going to have in your life and in your marriage? There are these things that, that so oftentimes, yes, our confidence is in Christ. And listen, if you're, here, if you're hearing me right now and you're like, man, I hear what you're saying and it sounds great and I know it's true, but it's so difficult and I don't even know where to start and I messed up so bad and I just, I just want to quit. I don't even know how to make it. The reality is, listen, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God's freedom, his forgiveness has been given to you. Christ's blood covers your sin for all eternity. So you're not living in shame and regret from your past mistakes today, yesterday, last week, last month, last year, whatever, but you live every day in hopes that you can be renewed. You live every single day in hopes that you can be a little more like Christ today than you were yesterday. All the recovery programs tell you it's progress, not perfection. And I would say for us in our Christian journey, it's what we're seeking after. It's what we're pursuing. It's the progress that we're making. It's not that I rest on yesterday's successes or yesterday's failures. Like Paul said, it's not that I've already attained or I'm already made perfect, but this one thing I do, I press toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So for you and for me, every single day of our lives, by focusing our attention, by renewing our mind, by redirecting our passions and our desires towards a purpose and a meaning that's far beyond ourselves, we press. We press. So no matter where you are in the room today, maybe you've been walking with Christ for a long time and you feel like, man, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm having my quiet times. I've been, I've been studying. I've been having fellowship with God's people. I feel like I'm on mission for the Lord. I feel like I've been doing a great job. Man, press, continue on. If you're in the room today and you feel like, man, I'm just doing terrible. Like I just keep struggling. It's been the worst year of my life. You know, I've fallen back into these old habits and these old addictions and, and I really don't care much about other people and I'm just living for myself. Press, press. Pursue Christ. Pursue God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with all of your soul. Jesus said, hey, look, he who knocks, the door will be open to him. He who seeks will find. He goes on to say, look, what father whose son asking for a piece of fish will give him a rock or a stone? Like if, if we who know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more is our heavenly father gonna give good gifts to us? So if we're seeking after him in order to attain him, in order to acquire him, then he's gonna bless us with his presence. He's going to bless you with, with more of an anointing of his spirit, with a more intimate relationship with him. So it's so simple that um, even a little small child can receive it by faith. The gospel is the greatest, most powerful news the world has ever known. And you and I, every single day, we have an opportunity to will ourselves, to make choices, to make our own decisions on whether or not we're going to continue to pursue Christ, to pursue the holiness of God, to pursue the righteousness that's found in him, to really challenge our heart and our motives and our inner purity, or to just live kind of any which way we want to, to just pursue whatever we want to in this life because, hey, we're forgiven. We got the, like, fire insurance. We're good. And the reality is that that life is empty. 
that life, while, while we may have salvation in Christ, whenever we fail to seek after him on a daily basis, man, maybe you feel this. Maybe there's been times in your life where, man, I hadn't been to church in a while. I hadn't read my Bible in like three months. I hadn't even been to Sunday school this year. I don't even know if God is around. All it takes is a simple decision of your mind and of the heart to say, God, I'm going to lean into you. God, your presence is all I want to focus on in this moment. God, I want to push out all of my desires. Forgive me for the sins that I've committed against you. Oh, God, help me to demonstrate your love to those around me. Help me to live in such a way that's pleasing to you. Lord, I just want to experience you. I want to know you more. I want to know your presence within me. You said your Holy Spirit lives within me. Oh, God, I want to feel you. I want to know you're there. And listen, the confidence and the, and the boldness that comes from just being open and willing to admit the fact that, you know what, I messed up. I'm broken. As long as I'm living in this skin and bone, there are things about me that are messed up. And oh God, I want to bring them before you with all honesty and all clarity and all transparency. And I just want to say I need you. And I just want to say, Lord, I want my life to be driven by your purposes, by your meanings. God, I got a short time here on the earth and I want you to use it for your glory. Oh God, if I were to become a millionaire and have the greatest piece of land the world had ever seen and a beautiful place at the beach and at the mountains and have all these nice things, but I have not purpose and meaning, I have not value, I have not fulfillment as found in God, then I'm empty. Redirecting our passions and our desires towards the purposes of God. Verse 12, chapter 3. Therefore, because of all of that we've just said, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Listen, you need to know this morning that God has declared you holy. You're holy regardless of what you think about yourself. The blood of Christ is enough to cover your sin, to make you right before God. We've been given a right standing before God. So don't mishear me. It is not based upon your abilities to please God. It's not based upon your abilities to do the right things or say the right things. It's going to gain you access to God. It's based solely upon what Christ did for us and our confidence in that. But that doesn't mean that we just negate the fact that our lives can just be lived any which way we want to, but we understand that we desperately need to be made more like him because we're holy, because we're dearly loved. We need to clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Man, there's a lot there. Kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. How do I do that? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, if we got honest, forgiveness is one of the more difficult things that we have to navigate in this life because when people betray our trust or they hurt our feelings or they do something that is, is in opposition to maybe what we thought about their character or they somehow let us down or they disappoint us or they act out in anger against us or they somehow try to betray us or turn their back on us, it's very hard for us just to, to forgive them, to just say, oh, I forgive you, it's okay. And if we got really, really honest for just a moment, the hardest people in our lives to love and to forgive and to have compassion and humility and grace and kindness towards are the ones we love the most, are the ones we're closest to. The, the greatest area of practice of spiritual discipline that the believer can have, I believe, in their lives has to begin in your home. Has to begin in your home. The greatest act of discipline I can do, the greatest witness I can ever have is to my wife and to my son. 
If I can't love her, if I can't show humility, compassion, grace, and forgiveness towards her, towards my crazy two-year-old terrorist toddler, then, then I, what, what example do I have? What witness do I have to a world that's lost? Today's my wife's birthday today. Everyone say, happy birthday, Lauren. <laughs> I love you, babe. Listen, I don't want you to mishear me. This is a struggle. But it takes an intentional effort a, a genuine desire to seek after God, to seek after purity of within, the inner self, the heart. And there are times in my life where I have not done that. There are times in my life where Lauren can attest that I've maybe not been kind or not been humble or not shown forgiveness or not shown patience. But man, it's just recognizing that there's so much more. Recognizing, like that student said at camp, that you know I, I've never experienced God this way. One moment in his presence changes everything. For those of you that know what I'm talking about, you've experienced this touch from God, this, this moment in his presence. Maybe it was in a time of worship. Maybe it was in a time of prayer. Maybe it was in a time of Bible reading. No matter what the time is, when you experience that touch from the Lord, man, there's no drug, there's no satisfaction, there's nothing you can get that even compares to that. And you want more of it. And you want to pursue it. And you want to go after it. Redirecting the passions and the desires of our lives. And thirdly, lastly, Verse number 15, let the peace of Christ, I'm sorry, verse number 14. It says, forgive one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you, verse 14. And over all these virtues, above all else, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Love is the one of the most powerful forces the world's ever known. Obviously, the love that God showed us in demonstrating his love that he sent his son to die, that we were still sinners, is the greatest act of love. It's what motivates us. It's what drives our life. And whenever we allow love to be the centering, driving force of our life, whenever we allow uh, our, our mind's attention and our heart's affection to be laser pinpointed after the presence of God and we allow our passions to be redirected, to be used by God, then man, love is just the natural overflow. We can't help but to love. The First Corinthians 13, one of the great love chapters, you've probably heard this read many, many times. Uh, Paul, he wrote this. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move a mountain, what about that? But if I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Because of God's love for us, it becomes the thing that motivates our lives, that drives us. That's the reason why we want to forgive others. That's the reason why we want to love those around us. That's the reason why we want to forgive those who hurt us, to pray for those who use us and abuse us the way that Christ taught in the Sermon on the Mount. I read a quote this week from, uh, it's an it's a anonymous author, and I thought it was very uh, insightful, and I want to share it with you. Uh, this morning as we're uh, preparing to close and go to our small groups after this in Sunday school. It says, go after experience rather than just knowledge. On account of pride, knowledge may often deceive you, but this gentle, loving affection will not deceive you. Knowledge tends to breed conceit, but love builds. 
Knowledge is full of labor, but love full of rest. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let us pray. Oh God, we sit and we stand in your presence today, acknowledging our desperate need for you. We thank you, oh God, that you saved us, that you forgave us, that you redeemed us by your blood. But Lord, may every single day of our lives, may we be transformed. May we be renewed. Maybe there are folks in this room today, oh God, that are discouraged. Maybe they feel left out. Maybe they feel abandoned. Maybe there's someone in the room today that feels like no one cares. Oh God, I pray you would draw them close to you. Lord, that they would lean into your presence, God, that you would help us to focus our attention, to focus our mind and our heart on you. God, that you would redirect the passions of our lives, that we might fulfill the great work that you've given for us to do. It's not by accident that we're alive in 2021. It's not by accident that we're here at such a time as this. Oh God, we know that you have ordained our days. You have counted them, oh Lord. You know the number of hairs on our head. And oh God, I pray that we're all able, including myself, oh God, that I'm able to push myself aside, my selfish ambition and my own desires aside. Oh Lord, and I may be just rest in your presence. God, you are the richest thing in the universe. You alone are infinite. You alone will never cease. So God, may we be found in you. Lord, may our lives be filled with joy and peace because of who you are. May we live in the forgiveness and the freedom that's found in Christ. Oh God, may we forget yesterday's mistakes and yesterday's successes. God, may we desire a fresh touch from you, a fresh work from your spirit today and every day. We give you glory, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your